turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We're talking about what to do with worry. What to do with worry. We're coming to the conclusion of our Winning the War for Your Mind series. And I'm excited to talk on this simple message today because this has been one of my great battles, one of my great challenges. I don't know if if you're like me, but I come from a long line of warriors. My parents actually called themselves professional warriors. So if you heard my mom's story, she say she took pride in how good she was at worrying. And she said that, that it brought her security because she thought, okay, if I can just worry about enough things, then I can keep everything in place and keep my kids from challenges. And then she said, and I was incredibly confident because whatever I forgot to worry about, I was sure that my husband would remember to worry about. So that's like our family narrative. But my parents learned as young parents that worry didn't work. When all three of us children, first my sister Hannah had these severe grandma seizures and didn't know if she'd survive them, and so my parents had tremendous challenges with that. Then my second sister, Heather, got kicked in the face by a horse, broke her jaw in nine places, put her in a coma. She almost died from that. And so my parents will never forget the day when I turned to them and said, wow, it's crazy that both my sisters have almost died, but nothing's happened to me. And within two months, I got in a football accident and had a near-fatal heart condition that took me out of every sport. And for the next two years, I was in and out of hospitals. And so my parents learned that their worry couldn't preserve our lives. And I love this verse in Matthew. This is the other verse we're going to look at today. It says this, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Say, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That was the lesson that my family was learning and my growing up years. But I have to tell you, coming into adulthood, I haven't fully learned it. So I'm not preaching at you today. I'm on the journey with you. But the Lord has been really helping me in this area of my life. Now, I have plenty to worry about. I have three teenage boys, right? That's a drop the mic right there. I just walk off the stage because, you know, you have so many worries with what kids are tempted with today, having all three of them have phones. And so, you know, you're freaked out about what could happen and, and, and the peer pressures at school. And then they're on the California roads. And so there's so much. And then, you know, I lead an organization in this crazy economy and we're trying to do this building project. And are we going to get these things passed and, and on and on. And, and your worries might not be mine, your worries might be, I, I, I'm single. Will I, will I be single and lonely for forever? Or I have an a- aging parent. What are they going to do? Or I'm aging. What, what am I going to do? Or, or will I be able to get a job when I'm done with school? Or will I actually finish school? Or will I be able to pay my bills? Will I find a place to live? Will I find, you know, the, 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 the right place to live? And, and, we, we, we can spend so much of our lives worrying, and I'm so thankful that God gives us these tools 
on what to do with worry. So church, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to attempt a feat that I've never done. And if you know me well, you're going to be like, that's impossible, Robert. I'm going to preach on one verse today. Um, usually I put about 50 verses. I love the Bible and I'm always using the Bible to explain other verses. Today we're going to focus on one verse. And so I want you to pull out the note card on the seat in front of you because with this one verse, we're going to also teach you three tools, three spiritual disciplines, three spiritual disciplines. So you're not just going to be a hearer of the word only today. You're going to be a doer of the word. So let me talk to you about these three tools we're going to to use today. They are tool number one, meditation. Say meditation. Meditation. Number two, application. Say application. And number three, memorization. Say memorization. So these are three spiritual disciplines to actually help us walk closer with Jesus and let the word of God transform us. So here is our verse that we're going to work with today. Let's put it up on the screen. It's Philippians 4, the end of 5 through 7. So Philippians 4, the end of 5 through 7. And so you've probably seen this verse before. It was the first verse I ever memorized, but you probably never saw it starting this way. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The reason I said you've probably never seen it this way is you probably never started with the Lord is near. Because you're like, well, that's in the second part of verse 5, but how many of you know that when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapters and verses? Do you know that that wasn't applied to the Bible until 1555? And so I actually believe that this is the complete thought, that when we start this verse, it starts with, the Lord is near, do not be anxious. And the reason I say that today is because religion teaches us you gotta do all these things. Religion is all these doing, but relationship is about being. And we start our journey to walk out of worry and anxiety with being with Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is actually real? You're not, you're not in here practicing a religion. You're walking in relationship with the most real being in the universe. He is love. He is power. And he is bigger than your worries. So let's start with meditation. How do you meditate? Well, you actually chew on something. So I want you to take out this card and we are actually going to spend the next couple minutes writing out this verse. So I want you to actually hand write it. For some of you, it's been a while since you've handwritten things in our day of, in our day of technology. But when you write, it actually, your neurotransmitters actually connect kinetically with your body. So your, your brain is actually connecting with your body and you actually remember more what you write. So I want you to write this out. So take this card, and you're going to be using it the rest of the time, so I want everyone to do it, right? The Lord is near. Do, and write fast, do not (laughs) be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with Thanksgiving, oh, I'm sorry, by prayer, kind of skip the main part. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. <clears throat> and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you, when I said the word meditation, you got a little uncomfortable because you're thinking, well, this is some Eastern mysticism or some New Age transcendental meditation. No, did you know that meditation comes from the Judeo-Christian practice? Psalm 1 talks about meditation. Uh, Psalm 63 talks about meditation. Joshua 1, we're told to meditate on the word of God day and night. So this is when you're moving from just scrolling on our phone to actually chewing on something, slowing down. So I, I actually loved what Wikipedia, their definition for meditation. Meditation is a practice in which an individual uses a technique such as mindfulness or focusing the mind on a particular object, thought, or activity to train attention and awareness and achieve a mentally clear and emotionally calm and stable state. So this is what you're doing. You're, instead of taking your worry, you're slowing down and focusing because two things can't occupy the same space. We are meditating on this scripture about not worrying and about the key to it. So now what we do, I want you to take your pen now and underline the first phrase of this, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. <clears throat> How do we not live in worry? We live with this reality that the Lord is near. Many of you know I grew up on a ranch, and it was far away from our neighbors, and I grew up in an old house. And so it would be dark, and it would be scary, and I grew up in the MTV generation, and I grew up in the generation that watched Michael Jackson's thriller uh, Music video. Anyone seen that? Okay, it is not good. Do not search for that. Uh, it jacked me up. So basically, it was a bunch of zombies coming to like kill people. And they came through the floor. And that's scary when you got an old creaky house. And the floor's creaking. And so I was, I, I live, you know, and there's no neighbors to run to. And so I would be freaked out at night. And you know what I did? I would get up and I would go into and sleep in my parents' room next to my big linebacker father. Because I knew that a zombie, a dead zombie, wasn't as tough as a live linebacker. And then, I, and he was also, he was also a military guy and a hunter. So I was like, and if they get through him, you know, they're not going to get through his shotgun. And so I had peace because dad was near. I had peace because dad was near. The, the first way we can not live in worry is by drawing near to your father. I want to tell you, you have a lot bigger father than Bob Herber. You have a lot stronger 
father than, than my dad. And this is what I do. So I, I, I'm, I'm sitting, you know, working, and anxiety comes, or as I'm, I'm driving, anxiety comes. The first thing you do is don't just go, no, don't, ah, stop. Ah. <clears throat> instead, instead of freaking out, I like to say this, instead of freaking out, I center in because he lives within me. And I start saying, Jesus, Jesus. You can just speak the name. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. I just start speaking his name. And then I picture him with me. Oftentimes, if I'm not driving, I close my eyes. Or other times, if if I'm really freaking out, I'll actually stand up and I'll, I'll, I'll walk outside and just say, Jesus, I need you with me. I'll go on a walk and I'll picture holding his big hand or I'll picture his arm around me or I'll picture his hand on my back. And as I do that so many times, I feel his tangible presence. Do you know that his presence is real? The scripture says in his presence is the fullness of joy. The key to, 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 to this life of not living in worry and anxiety is actually Jesus himself. Like if I could only say one thing, that's where I'd stop today. The Lord is near. But now highlight this next phrase. So point one is draw near today. But now the next phrase is this, do not be anxious about anything. So underline that phrase. We're we're slowly chewing on this. And, and, And here's my point too, is decide not to worry. And what I mean is this, is do you know that worry is optional? Do you know that worry and anxiety is optional? Now, I, I, that, that's not what many of us grow up thinking. We actually think, man, we're being responsible citizens if I worry. Or, hey, parents, I'm a good parent if I worry about my kids. Right? That, that's actually a, a thought. Or I'm a good student if I'm always worried about my grades. I'm not talking about being lackadaisical and blowing off things, but worrying doesn't add an hour to your life or it doesn't add a hair to your head, obviously, right? And so do not, it's, you can decide to not worry. It's, it's actually an option. So let me, let me put up this, this little picture. So worry is a lot like this. Worry is like a gauge in your car. I'm gonna help some of you save your cars right here. This is called a temperature gauge. And... Uh, this C stands for cold and this H stands for hot. A lot of you are like, I always wondered what that little thing was. Um, you don't want the needle to move all the way to hot, right? But that's what worry feels like is, oh my goodness, the engine's running hot. Now, you have a couple of choices when this happens. First of all, you can just freak out. You're driving, oh my gosh, the engine's hot. Ah! But that does no good right? Or you could get really angry. Ah, I hate it when engines get hot. That does no good either, right? What do we do? The Bible says this, point three, point three of today is let worry remind you to pray. Your engine gauge goes on there to remind you to do something, not to just freak out, not to just get angry, or not to pretend like nothing's happening, Right, so anxiety and worry is actually a gauge in life, 
right? We don't need to stuff our emotions. We, okay, I, there's something going on. What's the first thing you do? The first thing we do is we go, okay, Jesus, be with me. I'm not alone in this. And then second of all, we pray. Jesus, what are you saying? Prayer isn't just me throwing a bunch of things at the Lord. Prayer is two-way. How many of you know you can hear the Lord? Right? The scripture says, my sheep hear my voice. So we actually ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I am so anxious uh, uh, about this relationship. Is there something I need to do? And the Lord says, yes, you need to repent. You've been a jerk. Oh, so many times God changes our scenarios by what he speaks to us. Lord, I am freaking out about these unpaid bills. He's like, yes, you should pay them. <laughs> oh, wow. God, God practically leads us as a shepherd. But, so I think it's really interesting. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. Do you notice that there's, they're different? Why? Because prayer is this two-way com communication, and then petition is making your request. So, so many times we just sit in anxiety all the time when God's saying, no, actually bring it to me. I am your provider. I am your shepherd, and then watch me work. Okay, I, I want to use a, a little illustration today that's very unspiritual because so many times a pastor starts talking and you're like, and then we were praying for these missionaries and then it happened. And you're like, of course it did because they're missionaries. Or we we're praying for our church building and then God moved. And you're like, of course he did because God cares about churches. But what about the little things in my life? Just the, the, the normal aspects. So I promise I won't be able to use these stories forever because football season's almost over. But here's a football story. Um, my oldest son, we had to, to move him to a different school. And so we prayed and, and I, you know, God, what do we do? And I have in my, my mind an image of him in a certain uniform of a certain school. I thought that's really unique, but we put him at that school because we prayed. Now, how many of you know, just because God leads you somewhere doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Okay, so that's one of our problems. We just think, okay, you know, I follow God and then everything's gonna be easy. So we put him at the school and we had the football year from Hades. Um, we went zero and 10. And if you're not a sports person, that's not good. Um, it's not good when you lose every, every game. And it, 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 was, it was awful. There were several games, he's a quarterback. There were several games that he had less than 10 yards passing. So if you don't know football, a quarterback throws a ball, when they catch it and they run down, you get yards. Okay, that means he had less than one pass caught a game. Ten, three games, less than 10 yards. This is really bad. And then if that wasn't bad enough, then the coach really was denigrating him and, and different coaches, they were really hard on him. And then people in the school, they started making fun of him. So he is like low. And the football program started falling apart. And then the whole JV team ends up disbanding and quitting. And the coaching staff goes down from 12 to three. And so if it couldn't have been worse than that when the JV team disbands, the quarterback from the JV team, the coach says, now you're going to split time with this guy. So the one thing he had going, which he was starting, now he doesn't even just get to play all the time. So I'll never forget the day he comes home just crying. My son does not cry. He is crying saying, dad, we made a huge mistake. And then we started seeing a couple of his friends come to Jesus and we saw a whole family come to Jesus. And I'll never forget that, that one friend at the end of the season saying, you know, uh, and I wanna thank Hudson Herber for helping me 
walk back with Jesus. And I was like, well, thank you, God, for redeeming that. But that was awful. And so I thought, it's time to move. It's time to go to a new school. Like, 0-10, three coaches, this is, this is bad. And my wife said, no, we need to pray. And I'm like, no, we need to move. <laughs> and so one day I'm like, Steph, where are you going? And she goes, I'm driving to the school to do a Jericho march. Okay, uh, that's what Joshua did when he fought the Battle of Jericho. He walks around seven times. And so she goes during school, she just walks right onto the field and she's just doing her prayer march around. And I'm like, that's sweet that you're doing that. Uh, meanwhile, I've already planned, you know, his, his move. And so she does that. And on the sixth lap, she says, uh, she feels like God says, tonight, so he had, a, he had another game that night, and, and she, I think it was his last game, tonight will be a sign and wonder. And so in the middle of the game, we're playing this hard team, and the score is seven us, 17 them. And she feels like God says, that's the sign. And she's like, God, just give me a sign. And 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 she because she looks up what 717 means in the Bible, and it's complete victory. And I'm like, that's not complete victory. That's seven us, 17 them. So she's like, no, God's moving. I'm like, okay. Um so she's encouraged. And and she keeps praying, and I'm like, we're we're moving him. Um two weeks later, the coaching staff gets fired. I'm like, okay. And a, a new coach joins and brings on 15 coaches. And he calls in my son, and this was the winningest quarterback. My son's a quarterback, the winningest quarterback in the school's history. And he talks to my son. He's like, you've got to stay. We believe in you. You're our man. My son comes home and goes, Dad, this coach in one meeting made me feel better than, than the, whole, the whole year. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I said, so what are you going to do? He goes, well, you got to doesn't matter how good a coach it is. You have to have receivers, and I have none. And then the next week, he goes, Dad, a new receiver just joined. And we just kept praying. And then, Dad, another receiver. Not one, not two. Five new receivers came out of nowhere. So we're like, this is, this is really amazing, son. Then I get a call, and my son goes, Dad, they've torn down the stadium. And I was like, Wife does a Jericho walk, stadium comes down. I'm like, okay, that, now that's a sign and wonder. So all of a sudden, we start, we start back up youth group at my house, and not just his two friends that came to Jesus showing up, but then another and another, and two get saved one night, and then three get saved the next night, and then four, and then we have our first game, and we won. We won a game. Um, and, and then I told you that there were numerous games where he didn't even have 10 yards of, of passing. And in one game, he had 553 yards and six touchdown passes. He was not just San Diego. He was the Southern California player of the week. And we're like, what is going on? And then you, some of you saw at the, the, the service... These kids, Hudson got to baptize some of his friends, and then they got out, and they started baptizing their friends. There have, they, they started with four people praying at the beginning of the season. Now the whole team is getting together and praying. Fourteen football players have given their lives to Jesus. 
but it's not just them, praise God. It's their, their families have joined, parents have joined, grandparents have joined, girlfriends are coming in and getting it's It's going like this. And uh, this weekend, they just won the semifinal game. They're going to the championship of their division. Um, why do I tell that? Because uh, you need stuff to pray for you. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I tell that because God cares about the little things in your life. He cares about the things that we don't think. He, he cares about your job and your family. And he cares about the people around you. And when things look impossible, all things are possible with God, right? And he is a miracle working God. And sometimes things are very dark before sunrise, right? But you keep bringing your requests to God. Let your worry remind you to pray. Let your worry remind you to pray. Take your pen next and then highlight this with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Do you remember when you were taking driver's ed and you were looking down the road where you're going and you're thinking, this is a smart thing and your instructor kept saying, look in the rearview mirror, check your rearview mirror. And you're like, why? I'm going forward. He's like, check your rearview mirror. I wanna tell you as believers, we bring our requests to God but then he answers them, and then you need to look in the rearview mirror and remind yourself of his faithfulness. And that's what Thanksgiving is all about. Here, this is what I want you to do now. The, so so uh, practice number one was meditation. We wrote this down, and we're slowly going through it. But now, application. I want you to turn over your note card. Whenever you get to a verse in the Bible that you're like, that sticks out to me, then take time to apply it. So I journal... I journal, okay, this is how it's applying to me. This one's easy. What are your requests? Like what's worrying you right now? Just think for a second, what's worrying you and turn it into a request, okay? So for me, it was like my son's football is going awful. Lord, do something. That was a prayer request. Maybe it's a health situation for you right now. Maybe it's, it's paying a bill. I don't know what it is, but would you just write down some requests? Just, just write Number one, and then write a request. Number two, try to put three requests on here. Maybe it's maybe it's a wayward child. The, the amazing thing is we've th there are so many people that ha have had kids that have walked away from the Lord, and we're like, no, we're not just going to be worried. We're going to pray. And in this church, it's full of people that have come back to Jesus. Take that request and make it known before God. So write down your request. This is application. And then what I'm constantly doing is I'm writing down, this is what I'm praying for in this season. I'm always writing it down, and then God answers, right? And so if you looked at my journal, you would see all of this journal entries about my son's football, because it was breaking a heart. But then we just started giving specific requests, and then God started answering, and then take time to be thankful, so every day I start my day with Thanksgiving. I come to God and you're like, well, I don't know what to be thankful for. Be thankful that you could make it to church today. Like you're healthy enough to make it today. Or be thankful that Jesus died on the cross so you don't have to go to hell. Wow, that's great news. Like that's just, a, that's, that's hallelujah territory every day. I'm, I'm not going to hell. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. 
we need to live constantly looking in the rearview mirror because when, when we don't, the, the children of Israel, they were in captivity for 400 years. Then God sends a plague against the strongest nation, many plagues against Egypt. He marches them through an ocean. He parts the sea, marches them through, leading them by a pillar of fire. And, and, and then they run out of food and they're like, ah, I want to go back to slavery. God's not good. I mean, can't you see them? They're, they're staring at a massive pillar of fire. God never does anything for us. Right? The, the, the irony of that, it's because you got to continue to look back and be thankful. Look back and be th- Every day, you're thank God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for providing. Thank you, God, for giving me this family. Thank you that I live in a country where I can worship you freely. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit filling me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for restoring me. Every day, giving thanks. So we've had meditation, we've had application, and then we have memorization, okay? So you've written this down, and that's how I memorize. I, I just say phrase by phrase, the Lord is near, the Lord is near, the Lord is near, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not, I just take phrase by phrase, and I just repeat it over and over again. I have it in a note card, and I put it in my pocket. So I keep this. The reason I gave this to you is I want you to carry this in your pocket all week, and every time you start feeling anxiety and worry, just pull this out. And just start trying to memorize this. When you memorize it, the word of God becomes a part of you. It's different than an Instagram post. It's different than just reading in a college textbook. It is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And it actually gets in your mind. That's why Romans 12 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, I knew I couldn't stick to one verse. But that was a good verse. You memorize it and you start speaking it out. Practice five, this is the last one, underline this, and the peace of God. You see, Christian, you're the only people in the world that actually have not just peace, but the peace of God. You're not just trying to get your own peace. You've got the peace of the creator of the universe, the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. I don't know if you've ever experienced where you're in a crazy trial, This is what happens as you start growing in Christ. This is why you want to apply these things to you because you'll be in the craziest trial. I've been in some crazy trials. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. Why am I not freaking out? I feel insulated right now. Like I feel the Lord with me right now. Now it's not, I'm trying to get to the place where I'm always like this. But there are these moments where I've tasted this. And so that's why actually point five is expect peace. Can I just tell you that? Expect peace. That's your inheritance. That's your birthright. You can have the expectation of the peace of God because you belong to God and the Lord is near. And so when you're not experiencing peace, you need to say, oh, that's my gauge telling me, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, because in Christ, right? Because it says, in Christ, it guards your hearts. And, and I love that. It guards your hearts and your minds. What does that mean? It's an emotional peace, emotional in your, in your heart, and it's a mental peace. Your mind doesn't have to be going crazy. 
So there's a peace that guards your mind and your heart, but it's only in, it's when you're in Christ. Expect that peace. And when you step out of it, say, ah, uh, no, 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 no. That's not my rightful place. In Christ, I experience the peace of God. In Christ, I have his peace. Now let me step over here and be a pastor for a moment and give just a grace-filled caveat. Um, if you want to live a healthy physical life, get good sleep, exercise, right? And have a healthy diet. And you will be much healthier than if you just sit on your couch and eat pork rinds, okay? Um, duh, we know that. Uh, I, am, I am giving you the way to have a healthy mental, spiritual, and emotional life. And then every once in a while, you're going about your life and you have an accident and you break your arm. And the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for your arm. But if the bones don't pop back into place, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna send you to the emergency room. We're gonna send you to the doctor to reset your arm, to give you painkillers, to get you back in a, in a good alignment. And sometimes we're in such a challenging place that we need to go seek professional help. Like last year, last fall, I was in a depression. I went to a Christian psychologist. I'm so glad I went. It helps so much. And I just wanna give you grace for some of you that are like, I, I just, I can't, I just can't get there. But I'm first saying, hey, make sure you're just removing yourself from the world's ways and actually getting the practices of God to have that healthy lifestyle, to have that healthy diet of using the word of God. But sometimes we need to go see a counselor or we need to, there, there's demonic affliction. You need to come to Freedom Day. You need to go to the Freedom Team or you need to get in one of these Freedom groups. Sometimes we need to get on medication just like you would if your body gets really jacked up and you have an infection, you'd be like, well, let's get on an antibiotic so we can get you back to a rightful place and then you can live a healthy life. So please, if you're in a crazy place and you're, you just don't know what to do, please know the grace of God to go see a counselor. Know the grace of God to go seek help. But what I'm preaching is for all of us to live that daily healthy life of memorization and meditation and application, knowing that our birthright is peace as believers. Let's stand up.